Thank you, choir. That's a wonderful way to prepare us for the communion service that we'll be having at the end of the service today. And for the Cathy's that have led us and played for us in David's absence today. Uh, and, uh, of course, Charles and Mickey are in Kansas today visiting with family. And so Charles called me uh, some time back and asked if I'd be willing to preach on this Sunday. And, uh, of course, I said yes. And I didn't realize at that particular time uh, that uh, on Tuesday of this past week, Harriet and I were in the process of moving to Wesley Woods in independent living. Now, I realize it this morning. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we are not settled, but we're, we're getting there. And Leo Harlan and his, well, Leo Harlan is, is moved to Wesley Woods on Friday of this week. His family have been here. They were at the early service this morning. And uh, they've been helping him move. Now, part of the problem is that you don't get it all done. I realized last night too late that I didn't have a tie to wear to church this morning. It was back at the house. So <laughs> we had to go back and get a tie this morning. Uh, well, anyway, so much for that. Yesterday, we heard, as did you, of the tragedy in El Paso, Texas. The horrendous, horrendous shooting that killed so many people. And we were grieving that and got up early this morning getting ready for this service, turned on the TV and heard about a horrendous killing killings in Ohio. And we said, God, what in the world is happening to the people of this nation? And, of course, it's rather discouraging when you hear all of that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, those of us who believe in God through Jesus Christ believe that he indeed will see us through. I want to ask you to bow with me in prayer. Father God, we don't understand it. We just cannot understand what is happening with some people in this world intent on doing evil. We know that the saying is that the way for evil to win in this world is for enough good people to do nothing. God, help us to be able to do what we need to do to help you turn this nation around and this world. We don't have the answers, but we know you do. We turn to you. Pray, oh God, help us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I decided that I was going to preach from the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. That's one of my favorite chapters. And as I went back and reread that chapter, not only the text for today, but the other passages before it, and looked at the context, I said, well, let me just encourage you folks to read the whole chapter of the 8th chapter of Luke today, I mean this week, and um, fit this story into to the picture. I'm sure that you've heard this, this whole story of Legion preached on before. And uh, preachers look at it and do it differently, but 
this morning I want to share some thoughts with you about this story. And uh, I'm going to ask you to listen as I read this passage. I'm not asking you to stand. Uh, I know in reverence to the Scripture, to the Gospels, we do that most of the time. But it's a long passage, and uh, some of you may be like me and a little tired, so you just don't feel like standing all that long. So listen now, and it's from the New Revised Standard Version. And as I preach, I'm weaving in different translations of this passage as, uh, as I'm using th- this story this morning. Here's what the Scripture says to us. Beginning with verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had had, had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained... uh, Though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. And when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was, and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran on uh, and they reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. And then all the people of the region of the Caesarines, of the Gerasenes, asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. And so he got into a boat and left. And the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. And so the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, Thanks be to God. We are so grateful. There are 
a lot of people around about whom it's said their time is not their own. You may be one of those. As a minister for 41 years, I was on call 24-7. There were times when we were packed up and ready to go on vacation, and the phone rang, and somebody had died. We just had to put a hold on our vacation. I'm not begrudging all of that. I'm simply saying that's the way it is sometimes with some people. I know busy parents, especially busy mothers, but busy parents who say, you know, my time revolves around my kids. I just don't seem to have time for anything else. There are people about whom it said that time is not their own. Jesus was one of those. If you read this chapter of this eighth chapter of Luke, you'll see all that went on in Jesus' life. And just before the passage I read this morning, they were in a boat. He was so tired, he needed rest, and he said, Let's get in a boat and go across the Sea of Galilee. And so they did, and he lay down and took a nap. He was tired. A storm came up. He didn't budge. They came and woke him up and said, Master, don't you care? We're sinking. He got up and he calmed them and he calmed the sea as only Jesus could do. And they got to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He stepped out on shore only to be met by a man who fell down at his feet. And this man said to him, Jesus, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beseech you, don't torment me. Don't torment me. In other words, this man was saying, are you going to treat me the same way everybody else does? Are you going to treat me that same way? You see, I've been out here living in the cemetery without clothes. I've been bound and I've broken my bounds, my bonds. But Jesus, 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 I beseech you, don't torment me. You see, this man was different. <laughs> he was very, very different. The scripture says to us, of course, he was possessed by a demon. That's the way they put it in those days. We might say these days, well, uh, he was a little touched in the head. Uh, he was psychologically unbalanced. He was, um, he was crazy. Uh, you know, in To Kill a Mockingbird, it was said about Boo Radley. He wasn't crazy. He was just a little high-strung at times. Well, this man was that way. And, uh, you know, uh, we can say, well, he was just off his rocker. There are lots of people in the society these days that people can say he's just sort of off his rocker. They might say that about me, about you, about different times. I want to be healed, the man said. I want to be healed. But please, dear Jesus, Son of the Most High God, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Now, have you heard that before? Well, if you've got children, I think you probably have. Our only son, Thad, was a little kid. He loved his big wheel. He started racing down the, the street one day and turned into the driveway and ran up under the car. 
oh, oh, he was crying and he came in the house and his dear mother was there. He said, I'm hurt. Help me. He said, well, son, come on back here to the bathroom with me. Let's wash it off and put something. No, I don't want to be hurt. Please help me. I don't want to be hurt. Well, I think many of us have been that way before. Uh, you know, we go to the doctor and we talk to him. Or we plan surgery and we don't want that to hurt. I want to be healed, but please don't hurt me. That's very familiar to us. Not only that kind of physical uh, wound and healing and hurt, but what about a person who lives an immoral life? I've read several stories just recently about people who were on the wrong track. They got off somehow, and they were living immoral lives, and they were hurting, hurting. And they kept thinking, I want to be helped, I want to be healed, but please, please don't take away what's causing me to be this way. I want to cling to it. You know, that's the way it is with some people with immoral lives. They want to be helped, but they don't want to let up on what was causing their problem. Well, maybe you are in a situation or know somebody who is who's had a divorce or getting a divorce, having a marital problem. They go to a counselor, maybe a preacher or somebody, and say, I, we, want, we want help. And then that counselor says to him, we've got to face the facts. Let's look at what's causing this problem. And they don't want to admit that part of the problem is, or maybe all the problem, is them. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want you to take away from me what's going on in my life. But I want to be helped. That's sort of contradictory in it, but that's the way it is with some people in a situation like that. The first step of wholeness of any kind and inner security is to face the fact, and the facts are often very hurtful. The man said to Jesus, I beseech you, Jesus, and he admitted, Son of the Most High God, I want help but I don't want to be hurt. What did Jesus do to him or do for him? He simply, like he did with the, with the, with the Sea of Galilee, he calmed him down. And he said, What is your name? <laughs> what is your name? You see, Jesus wanted to enter wanted to enter into a relationship with this man so that he could help him. What is your name? He was interested in this man. Therefore, he stopped long enough to see what he could do for him. Not everybody is willing to do that. But it wasn't just that he was interested in helping a man. He was interested in helping this particular man. What is your name? You see, a name identifies us as an individual. I'm David. I'm David, and I need some help. Okay, David, let's sit here and talk about it. Let's do what we can for you. 
You know, sometimes we, we treat other people that way. Uh, I've learned a, I, I learned a lot of things uh, growing up. I learned a lot of things after I got married. I learned a lot of things after we had a child. And uh, I learned that sometimes we neglected our children. We just simply said, oh, those are just our kids. I was watching a a family one day at um, a restaurant, and I saw them and how they related to their child. And I thought, you know, that's wonderful. Some people just simply go about their business, talk on their cell phones, talk to one another, and there's that child sitting there saying, hey, I'm somebody, talk to me. I can remember uh, greeting people and having Thad with me, and, and uh, you know, he'd look up at me. I, I would introduce myself to them and they to me, and he'd look up at me as if to say, hey, I'm somebody too. Tell them who I am. <laughs> and I learned that the hard way. Sometimes we introduce the important people and don't care about the others. Having a meal with somebody and uh, everybody around the table knows everybody else. And there's somebody that's serving the table. Somebody says, who's that? Oh, that's just Bessie. That's just Bessie. Since we've been at Wesley Woods uh, these few days, I've been interested in the fact that the residents there talk to the waiters and waitresses. They know their names. I saw that again last night. One of the residents there put his arm around one of the waitresses and called her by name and talked to her just like she was important because she was and she is. You see, we sometimes just sort of neglect people and don't want to enter into a relationship with them. Jesus asked him, what is your name? And this man replied, I am legion, for we are many. (laughs) That doesn't sound like proper English, does it? But legion was a name that meant 6,000 men, like an armed, armed forces. I'm legion, for we are many. Legion was saying to, to Jesus, I don't really know who I am. I'm so mixed up, I'm just, you know, I, I just can't, I can't figure out who I am. I'm just mixed up. I read this little poem by a man named E.S. Martin, and I'm going to hold it a little closer so I can be sure and pronounce, get it right. This is what he said. Within my earthly temple, there's a crowd. There's one of us that's humble and one that's proud. There's one that's brokenhearted for his sins and one who, unrepentant, sits and grins. There's one who loves his neighbor as himself and one who cares for naught but fame and self. From much corroding care would I be free if once I could determine which one is me. How about yourself? 
Are you that way? Jesus said, what is your name? And he said, I am Legion, for I'm really mixed up. I'm messed up. I need your help. Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beseech you, please, please don't treat me like everybody else has treated me. Well, Jesus heals the man and sets him free with one command. The man begged Jesus to let him stay with him and the disciples because, you see, he felt so comfortable with people who cared about him, who wanted him to be a part of their group. But Jesus said to him, I want you to go back home and I want you to tell people what God has done for you. Well, it's so much easier, Jesus, to stay right here because I'm comfortable. I want you to go back home and tell what God has done for you. And I think this is interesting, that the Scripture says that this man went back home and told what Jesus, (laughs) what Jesus had done for him. Oh, we know Jesus was God in the form of man. But let's identify the fact that Jesus is the one that healed this man. When I was converted at the age of 15 I, I felt good about it because the people that I was surrounded with just loved me and they cared about me and they, they, they carried on about how, how grateful they were to God that He had touched my life but then I realized I had to go back home I had to go back with my family I had to go back with my friends and on the bus back home I, I rethought that thing but I never backed away from it because I knew that this is what God wanted of me. I'm saying to us this morning that a lot of us are legions. We feel so mixed up and messed up. A lot of us want to be healed, but we don't want to be hurt. But legion, the story of legion, says to us, this is the way it ought to be. Let Jesus touch you and change you and make you whole again. It can happen. Communion is another way of reminding us the body and blood of Jesus heals us and makes us whole. I pray that that will indeed be the case with you today and to all of us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.